This week, our nation celebrates what happened 242 years ago when 56 brave men signed the Declaration of Independence. This historic document would become the very foundation of the formation of this new nation. These men had no question that God was to be at the very center of this nation and that God would be over this new country. We cannot forget these immortal words that they wrote on that day, and I'd like us to say them together. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among them are life, liberty, our founding fathers believed that our rights did not come from the king or from the president or from the state. They had the strong conviction that our rights came from Almighty God. And so they pledged to each other. The final words, it says, with the firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. The men that signed this document were hunted down. Many of them were killed. They lost their fortunes, but they never lost their sacred honor. Our first president, George Washington, had the same deep convictions and he said, it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the provision, the providence of Almighty God and to obey his will. When he took the oath on April the 30th, 1789, he asked that the Bible be open to Deuteronomy chapter 28 the chapter that talks about the blessings and the curses that, that come to those of whether they are going to obey the Lord. After he gave the oath, the very end he said, so help me God. And then he bent over and he kissed the Bible a man that was strong in his faith and committed to the Lord Almighty. That nation would become one nation under God. If you walk through the Jefferson Memorial, the Lincoln Memorial, or the Supreme Court, or the Capitol, we find these incredible words regarding our nation and our reliance on God himself. It's interesting that when the Supreme Court meets, that every time the court martial comes out, he announces, God save 
the United States and this honorable court. And maybe we should say the same thing. However, now for many decades, our nation has been turning from God and the pursuit of truth. We have forgotten the strong words of Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34, that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Our nation is now willfully descending back down the mountain of truth. A post-truth shift is upon us. Every year, the Oxford Dictionary selects one word that they feel is pertinent to what is happening in our world. Recently, they selected as one word post-truth. They said that it most reflects the culture of America and also of Europe. And then they noted this, our society defines truth by feeling rather than by uh, facts. We have forgotten what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25, there is a way that seems right, but the end is the way of death. Right now, our society, our foundations are crumbling. Right now, we see tremors every day. We are witnessing unthinkable acts of violence, shootings in Annapolis, five People lost their lives, social rioting, terrorist attacks. So we see in this nation and around the world that evil is prevailing. And now, in our country as never before, other than the Civil War, we have become a nation that is divided from coast to coast. We are a nation at war with each other. The Bible says in Amos chapter three, verse three, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? There are some prophetic seers that believe that we have come under the judgment of God. And now we have to ask ourselves the question, how is it that the richest country in the entire world? How is it that a nation that was formed and birthed with an understanding and reliance on the providence of God, how is it that a nation was formed that was miraculously birthed in the sovereignty of God, how is it we can look back and now see how far we have come from what God gave to us. How did that happen? Barna did a study recently and they were analyzing Christians in America. 
They said that when they asked people, what are you? 73% said, well, we're Christians. Then as they dug a little deeper, they found out only 31% of all the Americans that say they're Christians actually come to a worship experience at least once a month. There are some who would also say that in actuality, there are about 20% of true followers of Jesus Christ. So what has happened in America is not that evil became all-consuming. It is not that sinners decided to sin. But it is a fact that we lost our moorings. We thought that with regard to Christ, that something would be informational would be enough rather than transformational. And that sincerely knowing Christ was this unconditional, unwavering faith that we not only are informed that Jesus is the Son of God, but something is able to be volcanic in our hearts where we really believe that he is the way. And not only he is the way, but we decide as these followers of Christ to follow him. We forgot the words of Jesus when he said, if anyone wants to follow me, he must set aside his selfish ways. He must take up his cross and follow me. We forgot that the following of Christ means that we have abandoned our life and that we have reordered the loves of our heart. That the things that we are passionate about have to be subservient to our commitment to Christ. Somehow we have stopped talking about the call of Christ. And so now our nation is being shaken. And our nation, remember this day, our our nation will go down without a revival of born-again believers getting back to not only being familiar with the cross, not only being familiar with what Christ said, But when we lay our lives down, and when he said, take up your cross, he was saying that you have to experience a personal death, that whatever your loves are, they must come beneath Jesus, and that you must become radical, passionate, and inside your heart, there is a fire that burns. It's interesting, we're watching all these games and these People going crazy over soccer. And they're all here this morning. Thank you. And I think there's a game tomorrow that, who's playing? Mexico and, is it Brazil? Yeah. Half our church is Brazilian. Isn't it amazing we can get fired up about a soccer ball? And we should. But then we're like the statue standing on a corner when it comes about talking about Jesus. Maybe if we just had an equal passion 
that we have for soccer or any other sport that we actually get pumped, that we actually believe that Jesus is real and that Christ ought to be shared with other people and that we can change the world and we can do what has never been done before. The hope of one nation is Christ at work through his people. What we have is we have those who are veering totally on grace, afraid to mention the three-letter word, lest someone be offended. Mention the word sin and people go for the exits. We have others, all they do is they talk about rules and regulations and truth without any grace. And sometimes they're smug, judgmental, arrogant, pompous. And that's not going to do it. And you got people, all they talk about is grace. That's not going to do it. And somehow we have to bring back the biblical order that it is faith in Christ and just as we have a plane, we get on 747, and one wing is grace, and the other wing is truth, and the captain is in the cockpit, his name is Jesus, and we are on his ship doing his will, and we are not his co-pilot. He is not our co-pilot. He happens to be the pilot that tells us what to do. And I happen to believe that it's not too late for one church in America, in Orlando, to stand up and let grace be high and let truth be high and cause a revolution where we cannot be stopped. And that Disney World is not the big deal here, but it's Jesus' world. It's Jesus. And this is not about our heads, it's about our hearts. It's easy to form information in your brain. This is not a brain deal only. Jesus said, when he called people, he said, and listen, Matthew 22, 37, he said, and you, you need to love the Lord your God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It means that we... Love him, and we love him out of our heart. There must be a shift from our spiritual adolescence, our spiritual decadence, our compromise, our giving into things that never should happen in our lives. Satan doesn't bring on the big things only. He brings in little things. And the little things lead to more little things. And after a while, they pile up. And then we're far off the path. Still here? I'm a little kind of pumped here this morning. <laughs> and that's why Jesus said in the scripture of Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, I want us just to say that out loud, everyone. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out. 
Jesus calls his followers. He said, I want you to shine. And I want you to shine by your good deeds so that we have good deeds and the good news. Symbiotic relationship between those two. The good news of Jesus and the good deeds. So when people look over your shoulder and they look at what your life is, they say, wow, that's cool. I'd like to be like it. It's interesting, some time ago that Pastor Jeff was home one day, Pastor Jeff and Tracy, a new neighbor had moved into their community and he was trying to cut the grass that was impossible and Jeff came over and said, can I help you? And he got his big sitting lawnmower operating and did it. And when he finished, he said to his neighbor, Carl, he said, if I can ever help you, let me know. Some months later, there was a knock on the door and Carl came in and he said, listen, you said that if I needed help, to drop by and he said, I'm having some challenges in my marriage and with my kids and they prayed together and he prayed the faith, put his faith in Christ, brought his family to church the next Sunday. They all came and gave their lives to Christ. That's kind of good deeds. These good deeds can change the world. One day I was at the gym and I had my worship music on and there was someone there and heard it and I usually try to turn it down if there's someone there and he came over and he said, do you know where a good church is? <laughs> I said, I'll have to think about that for a while. His name is Assad. He was here that Wednesday night. I've been keeping up with Assad. He'll be here at one o'clock. And in the worship time of the first meeting at nine o'clock, I thought, what would happen if every one of us who are followers of Christ this year, 2018, found one person, and that one person, we just were able to influence them, and they can't come to faith, and then we begin to mentor them, and we focus on one person Imagine 5,000 people in our church. Don't, don't disciple 100. Focus on one person. And imagine the outlandish revolution when that person also does the same thing. And then you have one person you're discipling. Discipling begins with those who don't know Christ. And when the church gets out and begins to shine and look like Jesus, and feel like Jesus, that's when great mammoth awakenings happen spiritually. The great awakening that happened in the 18th century, those two moves of the Spirit of God can affect the nations of the world and cause a great move of God that we have never, ever experienced in our lifetime. First Peter chapter 2, verse 12 says, live such good lives among the pagans 
that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Remember, Jesus is the way. He is the truth, and he is the life. So Jesus himself, he is the one that we're following. Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and experience his mighty power that raised him from the dead. The next part we leave out in our modern Christianity. It's like everything's going to be cool. Not going to be cool. You're going to suffer if you want to do what's right. Compromise is easy. Your kids want to do something and you're, you're, it's, they just want to do it. And a little bit of compromise. He said, okay, I want to experience. And right on the tail end of that, he prays. I haven't heard anybody pray this prayer recently. He prays and he says, I want to suffer. Read, read that. This is a real encouraging verse here. I want to That was really powerful. <laughs> Just the last line, not too loud. We don't want to wake anybody up. I want to suffer with him. I have always liked people who are radical. Verging on crazy. If I told you what I kind of see about this congregation, you would think I'm crazy. So I'm not going to tell you this morning. <laughs> but I believe that we are rising up with an authentic heart for God and that we are going to see a movement where we are now deepening our foundations in Christ and we are on a trajectory of taking certain steps for us to become people that are leaders and able to change the world. I'm happy to announce on this weekend that we will begin the weekend of July 15th between the 9 and 11 service in the guest uh, reception area, something called God First, and it's about foundations. This class happens to be for everyone because it is the deepening of our foundations. And I don't know that there's anyone here, unless you're an angel, that doesn't need to deepen your foundation. Personally, I'm deepening my foundation in prayer. And I'm reading and I'm thinking of how I can move at a different level of prayer in my personal life. And last night, when Judy and I were in the front room and we were praying together and praying for the pastors and praying for revival, I guess I maybe need to deepen my foundation more than anyone here, but I'm going to do it because we're going to be a part of one of the great awakenings in the history of America. We're going to shake the gates of hell. We're going to see a revival like we have never seen before. 
We're going to stop every principality. We are going to be a people of grace. We're going to be a people of truth. Truth. We're going to have Jesus in the cockpit, and we're going to be following him. And let me tell you, we are going to have such a movement of the Spirit of God. Everyone wants to see miracles and revivals, and I don't believe it begins with miracles and signs and wonders. I believe it begins when our hearts are passionate for Christ. You get together, set, uh, you get together uh, uh, 50,000 people that actually are passionate about Jesus. You want Jesus to show up? Let me tell you, when there's compromise and funny things happening and pastor's not what, doing what's right and all these kind of little things, you're not gonna see a move of God. But if a spirit of repentance comes over the church, that when we begin to do something wrong, that we repent of our sins, that's when a revival begins to happen. When you are in your family and you talk wrong to your wife or your kids, before the sun goes down, you're back in their bedroom and you close the door and get down on your knees and repent of your sin. Yes, we want to see miracles. Let me tell you, the great miracles are not going to happen until there is a spirit of repentance. Until there's, a until there's a spirit of re repentance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, convict us of things that are small. God, convict us of things that we say. Convict us of things that aren't right. Shake our core until we begin to get our hearts clean and right and pure. Hallelujah. 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 The hope for one nation is Christ at work through his people. Seventeen people were baptized in water last weekend. Pastor Dave. 125 or more men went to an encounter Last week, Bernie Moore and Nicole are in the service. These two dedicated people were partnering with them, just recently went to Pakistan, saw 100,000 people come to Christ in faith. And Bernie, we laud you today. Stand up, you and Nicole, for your ministry. Most of us watched the Super Bowl game on Sunday, February 4th, after our services. As you recall, the Philadelphia Eagles were playing uh, this great team, the um, the Patriots. I don't know why I couldn't say that, New England pa Patriots. Maybe this is Philadelphia Eagles Day, but all of you know that uh, Nick was the backup quarter, quarterback and won the game. And he was at the trophy presentation MVP ceremony. And he said, unbelievable, all glory to God. Then the offense Offensive, the offense uh, coordinator, Frank Reek, said, 
Nick is the real deal, an authentic Christian who has contagious love for Christ and others. It wasn't standing up only. It's who we are every single day, and we earn the right of respect by doing what is right and honoring the Lord every day and lifting up his name. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And for him to be lifted up, we have to come low, and he has to become high, and he has to be established in our lives as King of kings and Lord of lords. Let us all remember on this day that we live out our days on this earth with purpose, knowing that Jesus will return. One day, we will be clothed with glory and overcome with ecstasy in his presence. We will inherit and manage a kingdom where justice reigns and where the tree of life will feed all. Jesus will be exalted as King of kings and Lord of lords. And we will walk in bodies that have no pain. We will watch the lion and the lamb lay down together. And ladies and gentlemen, his kingdom will have no end. He is the lion, he is the lamb. And who is like the Lord Almighty? Who is like the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Lord of hosts? For even the Lord would speak this word this day. Know that I have set before you a life that is large. I've set before you a calling that will be beyond your own imagination. I feel like the Lord is saying, it is time that you take another step in, the, in, in, in my direction. It's your time to lay aside the things that weigh you down. And the Lord says there's some in this room, you have relationships that are wrong. And those relationships are blurring your future. You're shackled. And the Lord says, make a move. I hear the Lord saying, make a move. What is the move you need to make? For me, it is Alex. You get into that back closet and you wait and you listen. Who is like the Lord God Almighty? The lion and the lamb. He wants to demonstrate his might. I firmly believe we will see the blind healed in our services. 
I believe the lame will walk. The deaf will hear. In fact, right now, someone, you're being, heal, you're get, you're being healed of your hearing in the name of Jesus. I s- open up, open up, ears. Open up in the name of Jesus. I come against deafness in the name of Jesus. Father, wreck this place. Wreck church in the sun. Shake this place up. Let this altar be full of people coming to Jesus. Christians, stop coming once a month or when it's good. Your regularity to the house of God is not your schedule only. It is the fact of your heart. Wow. That's all I have to say about that. How many know we need to hear more truth? More truth. In America, Christians come every, once a month. And every pastor will tell you, they come once a month. What's the problem? Hey, we're all busy. Don't say you're busy. Most of the time, it's your heart. By God, your child has a birthday, you're going you're gonna to have a birthday party for them if you're a parent. Hey, listen, let's have a birthday party every weekend for Jesus. Yeah. Hallelujah. Don't leave. We're going to... St- Stand, we're going to sing this, and let's, let's sing it with more action than the soccer world, soccer stuff going on. Come on, stand up. Sing it. Come on.
Let's thank King Jesus for his blessings upon us. We never, we never end our meeting without giving people an opportunity to come and experience Christ. We have this cross in the middle of our sanctuary that reminds us that Christ is the head of this church and that Christ died on the cross and on the cross he made it possible for every person to be forgiven, to be healed and have a brand new life. And so, whatever dark road you've been down, whatever you've done that you feel you've messed things up, be encouraged. Every person that comes to Christ have, has messed up their life in some way. And today, our Savior Jesus beckons you to come to give you hope to let you experience and taste the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. In a moment, I'm just going to count to three. And if you're here and you say, listen, I, I need to be forgiven of my sins, would you pray for me? I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. Maybe you've been running from God. The first service, we had people here at the altar coming to Christ. As Bernie had 100,000 come to Christ. So he takes anyone, irrespective of our age, our background, and let faith emerge in your heart and let Christ come and change your life. I count to three, and after that, just put up a hand. You're in the balcony, wherever it is, acknowledge that you need to follow Jesus and be forgiven. One, two, three, put up a hand wherever you are. Put it up, put it up, wherever you are. Yes, put it up, put it up, put it up. I'm gonna ask those that lifted your hand just to walk the aisle, stand here. We're gonna have a short prayer. Come right now, the lion and the lamb. Come right now, come right now. 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 people in this room here. Many times people don't come to Christ because something is in front of them and they say, well, I'll never be able to get over that. Sometimes it's addiction. Sometimes it's alcohol. We have drug dealers that come here. But most of the time, we don't think that Jesus is big enough to change our lives. 
And the thing is, there's another voice that talks to us. It's the enemy himself, Satan, who says, no, don't do that. You know why? Because we are his disciple and he, he owns us. You have to make a conscious decision just as you got up this morning, you got dressed, you came here. When I give an altar call, I feel this clashing, this resistance. And I know he doesn't want to give up one disciple for people to follow Christ. But I break that spirit in the name of Jesus and I release you into the kingdom of God. You get out of your seat and you come here right now. Come right now. Come right now. Come right now. The balcony. Come down. Couples, get out. pray because the way we come to Christ is simply by prayer and opening our hearts. If you didn't come, pray the prayer where you are. Those that are watching online, you may be in another nation, you pray the prayer and Christ is right there by his Holy Spirit. I want us to pray this prayer loudly. I love to let the enemy hear. He is a loser. He's losing today. And we are letting him know he is a loser. Say it, say it together. Jesus, I put my faith in you that you took my sin on the cross. I confess and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. He is alive. I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin, and I receive your grace and the gift of righteousness and eternal life. You prayed that prayer. You're in the family. Go with Pastor Dave here. We're going to give you some material. Go with him. Come on. Let's praise the Lord.